Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. But it's good to be up here this morning as we continue our series in the book of Hebrews. Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. Last week, Pastor Matt uh, preached the sermon, Avoiding Judgment. God, we learned that God's judgment is reserved for those who refuse his grace. The only way for us to avoid God's judgment is for us to place our faith in the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this morning that uh, we could come here in, uh, in the warmth of this building, uh, but Lord, just to hear your word spoken and to worship you because you are the only one that's worthy. So Lord, as we hear your word this morning, uh, just let it affect our hearts and our souls and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So up on the screen here, you'll see this gentleman on the left is a good friend of mine. His name's Coleman. That's me on the right. Um, Coleman, he's uh, probably in his, his early 20s. He's, uh, I'm act- I actually went to high school with his dad, but I'm really good friends with the family. And uh, I just love going fishing with these guys. These guys, uh, and especially Coleman for his age, is unbelievable in the knowledge that he has in, in fishing. I get to go fishing with him every once in a while, and, and it's, it's always a treat. Uh, whether we're trying to get bass in freshwater on Lake Okeechobee or fishing, you know, the flats out in the salt, salt water, it doesn't matter. This guy finds the fish. And uh, so, of course, that's why I like going fishing for him, uh, with him. So now any good fisherman will tell you it's kind of dumb luck. You know, sometimes to catch the big one, you throw your bait out, the big fish just happens to be sitting there, and it'll hit it, and you catch the big fish. But a great fisherman will take all of their knowledge of the area, of what kind of fish are out there, where the big fish are, uh, whether or not they're actually even biting at that time, and actually what they want to eat, because that changes. I mean, it's a science. It's not always an exact science, because, you know, they would call it catching instead of fishing, if it was. But about four or five months ago, I got to go down the Clusahatchee uh, with Coleman, and we were targeting snook, and those are the fish you see there. If you know anything about snook, you know they're extremely difficult to catch most of the time. Um, they, and they'll, they'll, I mean, they're so smart that they'll avoid certain areas, and if you do hook into them, they'll find a place to break you off, whether it's mangroves or a dock or something. They're pretty good at getting away. So on this particular day, I got to sit and stand in the back of the boat while Coleman was in the front of the boat, and I got to see him land about a half dozen of these monsters. I was having a terrible fishing day. I hadn't landed anything. You know, number one, that's frustrating to me because I love to catch fish. Number two, I'm competitive. I don't want to see this kid sitting here catching fish after fish after fish, and I'm not catching anything. So towards the end of the day, Coleman... He, he kind of comes to the, the back of the boat, and he's like, very humbly, he's like, Jared, listen. He's like, take this lure, tie it on, throw it right over there. You see where the water's kind of rippling, you know, and then it gets into, like, calm water? Throw it right there, crank it about medium speed. I see Bailey back there taking notes. I see that. And you will catch a big one. And so very bitterly, because I'm, 
seasoned fisherman myself, I was like, dude, let's go. I took that thing, I threw it over there, about five or six catches, uh, casts later, I caught that. So I was so glad I was able to swallow my pride enough to be able to catch a fish. See, now some fishermen I know, in fact, many fishermen I know would not have taken that advice. They want to use the, the tackle they want to use, and you know, because it's competitive. You want to show, listen, I'm, I'm as good a fisherman as this person, so I'm going to use my, my own tackle. I'm going to use my own ways. And, and they especially wouldn't want some punk kid half their age telling them how to catch a fish. But here's the thing. I had faith in Coleman. I had faith in what he was telling me. Let me ask you, church, this morning, was that blind faith? Did I just blindly follow this guy and what he was telling me to do? Absolutely not. It's because there's some, there were some really good reasons why I could put my faith in what Coleman was saying. First of all, I experienced the fact that he's pulling up one big fish after another, right? But secondly, I know Coleman. I know him personally. I know that you know, he's been fishing his whole life. He worked at Bass Pro for a few years before he went away uh, to college where he was on the, the touring uh, fishing team there. I know him. I know his vast knowledge of, of uh, the fish, the area, the bait. So it was not blind faith. And, I, and I'm glad my, my pride didn't allow me to, to do that, to, to not catch that fish. But here's the point. Some people believe that many Christians, we just blindly put our faith in God. There's just no really good reason why we believe in this God. It's like we just take logic and reason and we throw it out the window. I even hear some Christians oftentimes saying, well, you, you, you have to just have blind faith in God. That is the only way to please him. Let me tell you, church, this morning, first of all, faith is a gift from God. He gives us faith, and we're going we're gonna to get into that. But I'm telling you this morning, I don't just blindly place my faith in fairy tales. You know why? Because no matter how strong my faith is, if it's not in something that's true, it's misplaced faith. Amen. And it's a, I believe there's some very good reasons why we can place our faith in the God that we serve. And that's exactly why the title of today's sermon is, Not So Blind Faith. Not so blind, faith. So, but wait, Pastor Jared, are you saying that faith isn't believing in something we can't prove? Well, yes, sometimes it is. Or are you saying that doesn't, doesn't God re reward us for believing in him even though we can't see him? Yes, you guys have some very good questions this morning. Good job. Let's just see what scripture has to say about it this morning, because we'll, that's our authority and we'll go to that. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 7. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The, the uh, verses will be up on the screen. Just follow along as I read. Starting in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. 
By faith, Enoch was taken up so he, he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So if we were to take these seven verses and we're boiling them down into one main idea this morning, we would get this. We have great reasons to accept the free gift of faith and to believe God rewards those who do. We have great reasons. It's not just blind belief in fairy tales. There are great reasons to accept that free gift of faith and to believe that God will reward those who do. So let's go back to our first three verses. What exactly is faith? That's the loaded question this morning. What exactly is faith? Well, we, we find kind of a definition here in our first verse. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So I want us to focus on two words in that first verse, assurance and conviction. If you are assured of something and you are deeply convicted about something, is, is that blind faith? Assurance here means confidence in belief, and conviction means you, you believe in something because of the evidence that you've seen. It's, it's not a blind thing, and, and, and it's, it's also good to remember just because something hasn't happened yet doesn't mean we can't be confident that it will, especially pertaining to God. So much like my faith I had in my fishing buddy Coleman, I had confidence in what he was saying because I know him. I had, I had confidence in, 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 in a deep conviction in what he was saying because of what I saw him do already. So it wasn't blind faith at all. Faith in God in many ways is not much different, which we'll see here in a moment. But it is also important when we're talking about faith to, to be constantly reminded that faith is still a gift from God. He reveals truth to us. And uh, it, what's crazy is that not only does he reveal the truth to us, but as we accept it, he will allow us to measure it and test it sometimes. It's, it's not always the case, but he will give us evidence that we can trust in him. Now, sometimes God, like in the, in the case of Noah, will ask us to do something that we don't understand. Like, really, God, you want me to do this? Really, God, you want me to just quit my job? That doesn't make any rational sense, but if you're asking me to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it. But that's still not blind faith. He gives us lots of reasons why we could have confidence and be convicted in what he says because of what he shows us. If you don't believe me, look at verse 3. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Why, by faith, can we believe that? Well... So that it was seen, that it was made by, so what, that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, mean creation. 
we could see God's handiwork. We realize that we can see God's handiwork, so there is creation, so there's got to be a creator. It's the same as if we look around this building. We don't just wonder how this building got here. We know that there was a, someone designed it, someone built it, and then there was workers that made it, made it happen. We don't just wonder how many billions of years it took for this building to form. Just like a painting. You look at a painting and you could appreciate or not appreciate what the artist did. You don't wonder how did this painting just get here. It's not a big mystery. So step one completed. God shows us we could, have, we could be assured that there is a creator because of creation. Um, special, uh, ge- that's called general revelation. So God reveals himself to everyone in a general manner. It's, 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 we've uh, d- discussed it many times in sermons, the difference between general revelation and special revelation. So general revelation, we can see there's a universe, God's handiwork, and it's a way that God generally reveals himself to all people at once. So special revelation is where God reveals special truth to us about who he is. Now, let me stop for a second. When I say special truth, I'm not talking about new prophecy. We're done with prophecy. The Bible's complete. We don't need new prophecy. So when I say special truth, that's when God personally reveals who he is to us personally. Namely, God reveals more truth about who we are as sinners and about who, who, who he is as a holy God. Through the Holy Spirit, we understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior. So general and, and special revelation are obviously different, right? Special revelation is also where someone comes to a saving faith in Jesus. General revelation is not enough. But they go hand in hand. One must first believe there is a creator before they can believe that there's a savior. But let's go back to general revelation. I personally was convicted at some point that there must be a creator. As I, I wasn't always a Christian, I, I actually wasn't, I didn't become a believer until I was about 27 years old. But at some point, I came to the realization there, there is a creator that created all of this. And uh, one reason why is because, I mean, there's really no scientific process for something just coming out of nothing. Uh, Science can't explain how something would just, there was nothing, and now, poof, there's something. And we see that in uh, verse 3 right there. It says, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. So obviously there's a universe that was made out of something not in the universe. One of the best arguments uh, for the existence of a creator of all things is summed up in something called the cosmological, uh, the Calum cosmological argument. This guy Calum, he was, I believe he was uh, actually an Islamic philosopher, but he came up with this philosophy of how we can reason that a creator God exists. And, it, and it's boiled down to three premises. And I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but here they are. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe had a beginning. Therefore, the universe has a cause. Now, let me review that really quick. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. I began to exist because my parents caused me. I didn't come from nowhere or nothing. 
So if I began to exist, I had to have a cause. The universe has had a beginning. Most of science agrees of some singular singularity in a moment of time where the universe came to exist. Therefore, the universe had to have a cause. What is that cause? Because it can't be something inside the universe. Why? Because the universe wasn't there yet. So something all-powerful that could create things like the sun. Think about how powerful the sun is. It's the most powerful ball of energy that we could measure, and there's probably a hundred million of them in in the universe. Something all-powerful, something all-knowing, something that you see designed in the universe. In fact, the earth, if it, if, as it orbits the sun, if it's just a little bit further away in the orbit, we would all freeze to death. If it's just a little bit closer to the sun, we would burn up. Life wouldn't exist on earth. Had to be something all-knowing, all-powerful, all-knowing, and eternal. Why? Because the universe didn't exist yet. And that's where we find space, time, and matter. So the only thing that could have caused this had to be eternal outside of our known universe. Does that sound like anybody you know? Now, to me, this goes way far beyond the idea, well, just because we can't explain it doesn't mean God did it. We would actually have to forego everything we observe in natural science to believe that the universe just created itself. And that's why I want us to understand that faith is not blind. We have a creation that proves a creator, and that's where we start. So God gives us basic knowledge that he exists. So just by observing the world around us, we can see that a God exists. So taking that first step in belief is how we eventually come to have a relationship with him. And that brings us to our first point this morning. God assures us that our faith is not blind and he's willing to prove it. I know that's a bold statement this morning because I don't want us to get it twisted in where we think that we're just going to ask God and he's always going to give us a sign because Jesus called that wicked. But I'm telling you that, that our faith is not completely blind. And if we put our faith in this God, he's willing to prove it to us. I don't believe that blindly that God exists. And it's true that he needed at some point to reveal himself to me. But the more I accept the truth about God, the more my relationship grows with him. The more I see, the more I can have complete confidence in who he is and what, it, and what he says. And this is what that confidence produces in our, our next set of verses, four through six. So we see that we can have faith, and, and, and it, it's not blind faith, and true faith is building a relationship with God, and this is the, what happens it causes us to take action. So, verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God 
must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we see our first two examples of, of people's, uh, you know, their faith in action. Uh, you know, it's, it's starting off the, the hall of faith, you know, so to speak, in, in, in chapter 11. First, you see Abel. Um, so Abel, he was awarded God's righteousness because his sacrifice was uh, more acceptable than Cain's. And if you remember the story, um, they were supposed to sacrifice animals, and Abel did his part, and Cain's like, well, I, I'm a farmer. I'm just going to bring him what I think is a good sacrifice. I'm going to bring him some of my, my vegetables. So did not do what God asked. So because the only reason why Abel's sacrifice was accepted is because he simply just did what God asked him to. And you know what that showed is that he knew God. He understood God because he had a relationship with God, that God is Lord of his life, and he just simply did what God asked him to. That is faith in action. Our second example is Enoch, who was, who was a prophet that never tasted death. The scripture says here that he was taken, meaning he was like kind of raptured before he died. And this is just free information. It's a little side note. We know that Enoch had probably one of the coolest dads of all time, because if you know the lineage, his dad's name was Jared. So that's just free, free information there. The short story with Enoch is that he lived in a very wicked time before the flood, but seemed to live a righteous life to where he pleased God because he feared God. So both of these, these guys, both of them had a relationship with God through faith that caused them action. This is why it is impossible to please God without faith, a.k.a. faith that God gives us through his revelation. It is a gift. We, we must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who do, because the point is when we exercise our faith, he is willing to reveal more about him and more to us and help us to grow, and our relationship with God becomes stronger. And that relationship is only part of the reward. But God rewards those who seek his truth. And it brings us to our second point this morning. The more we exercise our faith in God, the more he rewards us for that faith. It's pretty basic. It's pretty easy once you start to understand how God works. The more we trust in what God is telling us to do, the more our relationship grows. We grow closer to him, and he absolutely loves this. He loves this relationship with us. He loves it grown. He wants us to listen to him because he wants what's best for us. He is the father of all good gifts, the Bible says, and he loves us dearly. It's a lot like my buddy Coleman that day. Now listen, Coleman didn't even have to invite me out on his boat. He didn't owe me anything. He didn't even have to invite me out on his boat. He, he, he surely didn't have to share his knowledge with me. He could have just been laughing like, oh, here's my 10th one. Jared hasn't had one yet. But me and Coleman are friends. We're friends. At some point, he felt bad for his friend. And he wanted to see me catch a fish because it, 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 it made him feel good. Because that's our relationship. You know, God wants to share his knowledge of salvation with us. And he wants to continue to build that relationship with us through faith. And reminds us of our main idea. We have great reasons 
to accept that free gift of faith and to believe God rewards those who do. Now listen, that reward is not always what we think it is. Again, God is not a genie in a bottle. What was Abel's reward for being faithful? His brother caved his head in with a rock. His reward was God's righteousness. He got to go to eternity with God. That was his reward. As we look at our, our last verse in verse 7, we see the crowning jewel of faith in action, and that is receiving God's righteousness. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was basically the last person on earth that had a relationship with God. I mean, I think it's, it's easy to draw that assumption. He was basically one of the last people on earth that, that knew God because he was the only one that would listen to what God was telling him to do. I have to imagine that God was reaching out to you know, many people for hundreds of years before he called Noah to do this. And all he got back was crickets. And while Noah had to take a huge leap of faith to do what God was asking him to do, even though it sounded completely nuts, hey, go build a giant boat to save some animals because I'm about to flood the earth. And uh, many believe it hadn't even rained up to that point. But it still wasn't blind faith. Because Noah already had a relationship with God. He already knew God. He already knew he could trust, no matter how crazy it sounded, in what God was asking him to do. He believed God, and God was, because God was obviously Lord of his life. So he just did what God asked him to do. And good thing, because we might not be here right now. Because of that, God awarded him his righteousness. It says right there, became, at the end of verse 7, became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The rest of the world was condemned. Noah and his family were awarded God's righteousness. Church, do you realize that today we are offered the same thing through the works of Jesus Christ? There's a lot of parallels um, between what happened in that story and what Jesus did for us. All we have to do is believe Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did, and we could be awarded God's righteousness. Where we admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior and believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and then that is how we are awarded God's righteousness through faith. Now, I keep saying the word righteousness. What exactly is that? Simply put, in this application, it's the not guilty verdict. That's what righteousness is in, in this application. We committed the crime, we sinned, we deserve hell, but Jesus legally stepped in and paid our fine so that we could stand before the judge not guilty and walk out of the courtroom. Amen. That is the righteousness of God that we are offered today. 
Without the righteousness of God, we are dead in our sin, and we can never enter eternity with God. That's the way it is. It brings us to our third and final point. Without God's righteousness, we cannot dwell with him in eternity. God cannot allow me in my sinful state to go anywhere near him because he is a holy God. And that is why he had to make a way for me to be made right. As we've seen this morning, God reveals truth to us, and and that's how we get faith. And then he rewards us for exercising that faith in him. How amazing is that? We get this free gift, and then we get rewarded for using it? What an amazing God we serve this morning. As we close, and as I I call Joe up, I want us to think about our own salvation experience. If, if If you're claiming to be a Christian here this morning... Was there ever a time in your life where all of a sudden these spiritual things just started making sense? Or you started to read God's word and you're like, for the first time, I got you. For the first time, the Bible just started to make sense. For the first time ever well, then you can praise God for your gift of faith. And I want us to think about this as we go over our points. So our first point was this morning, God assures us that our faith is not blind and he's willing to prove it. Listen, God does not owe us anything. He does not owe us anything. Well, actually, the only thing he does owe us is his wrath and hell, but he doesn't owe us anything good. We can easily see that there's a creator because there is creation one that possibly could not create itself. I don't care how many different ways they try to twist it. That's one reason why I love apologetics. And really apologetics, it's it's just the study of being able to give a reasoned response for the hope that's inside you. And, And it's not about being able to stand up to people and it's not about being able to win arguments. Why apologetics is so important is because it strengthens my faith. It, it's, it's one of those things that I can kind of step on and stand on to see that there's some, some solid value to the things that I believe. I, I always like to teach when I was a youth pastor for 10 years, know why you believe what you believe. Not only does it do that, but it allows unbelievers to go, you know what, that does seem reasonable. And maybe it will start to break down their walls. And, and, and allow them to be able to seek truth. How awesome is it that God is willing to show us how much confidence and assurance we could have in him this morning. And we remember our second point. The more we exercise our faith in God, the more he rewards us for that faith. Brothers and sisters, if you're sitting here this morning and it's been a while since you were able to exercise your faith. That means your relationship with God is not growing. That means that there's an issue somewhere. And I could pretty much guess it's not with God. We have to exercise our faith or we're just missing out. We know God rewards those who seek him. So maybe we need to focus on seeking him. Maybe our our Bible reading isn't what it should be. Maybe our prayer life isn't what it should be. 
Church, the only one that's missing out is us if we don't do those things. We, of course, remember our third and final point. Without God's righteousness, we cannot dwell with him in eternity. You know, if our relationship with God is not growing and we're not spreading this word, we're doing these people a great disservice. Because the crowning jewel of our faith is the righteousness of God. It's such an amazing gift that we could never earn or accomplish on our own. When we, that, this is something we reserve when we, we get when we first believe. It's not something that we have to continuously try to earn. When you first place your faith in Christ, that is when God awards you the righteousness of Christ. We spend the rest of our lives here building that relationship and spreading that good news. Brothers and sisters, praise God this morning for your faith in him and be assured that you have great reason to know that your faith will take you to eternity if it's placed in the right spot. And of course, remember our main idea. We have great reasons to accept the free gift of faith and to believe God rewards those who do. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you that our faith in you is not arbitrary and it's not unfounded. It is based on the knowledge that you share with us and proven to us as we walk alongside you. Help us to remember this as we seek you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.